And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. Hey, Frank, a little birdie told me you don't need a satellite dish to get DirecTV. What's little birdie? Was it Jimmy the Sparrow? It's a figure of speech. Point is, you can stream DirecTV over the internet now. Oh, sure. Next you're going to tell me those big birds are made of metal and filled with people, right? <laughs> you mean airplanes? Stream DirecTV without a satellite dish. Call 1-800-DIRECTV. Terms or restrictions apply. We are not good. What? We are not good, chef. No? What's better than this? Guys being dudes. The Athletic presents Hogan Johns. Why the f do I watch this game? One of the local writers, Adam Hoagie or Hog, excuse me, I don't know how to pronounce the last name. From CHGO, it's Adam Hogue. Hey, George. Hi, Adam. Uh, and from The Athletic, it's Adam Johns. Adam Johns, go ahead. Hey, Matt, how, how you doing? Um, Coach Ditka versus the Hurricane, who would win? Ditka, Ditka. Hold on, hold on, hold on. The name of the Hurricane is Hurricane Ditka. Here they are, Hogan Johns. What's up? Welcome in, Hogue and Johns, with you as we bear down on the final <laughs> preseason game. It's here, Johns. So, how excited so are clever. you? Final preseason game? Uh, yeah. I won't be there. That's how excited I am about it. Wow. Hey, I missed the third one last year, too, but I was at a wedding. My cousin got married. I was at a wedding. I am trying to balance out football writer duties and parent coach duties. We okay. have a jamboree this weekend. Uh, I'm going to miss a lot of my son's football games because they play on Sundays. Yes, I and am too. My the, son's playing the, flag the, football for the first time. Oh, he's going to love it. Absolutely yeah. love it. Um, and the father of me is going to eat at me. Yeah. I'll be a bit distracted in the press box. So I'm going to skip this last preseason game. I'm going to go watch my son during this huge scrimmage day. Yeah, what's a jamboree? Have. I don't know what that it's means. Like, it's like it's I don't know why they call it the jamboree. There's four teams that come together for live tackle scrimmages, and oh. they're all very contained, very controlled. But I want to be there for my son. So you enjoy the 15, 20 snaps of Justin Fields. I'll actually watch them before I go. Then I'll hit the road. But okay. enjoy the Bills game. Well, I approve. Um, Bill Thank Belichick you. would not approve, but I approve. In the words of Jay Cutler, don't care. Bill. <laughs> <laughs> yes, fair enough. Um, no, I think that's awesome. So, um, well, regardless, the game goes on, and I'm I'm sure exactly. you'll I'm sure you'll at least uh, watch it later, and we'll we'll talk about it next week. Whatever it happens, will. final will be recorded decisions coming. And speaking of that, we have a, a special guest on today that you're definitely gonna want to hear, um, because and very interesting conversation on a lot of these roster decisions. We've already recorded it, and uh, we're going to drop it here for you real quick. But um, first, follow us on Twitter, at Adam Hogue, at Adam Johns. Of course, all the coverage, uh, assuming Kevin Fishbane's still going to the game Saturday on The Athletic, theathletic.com, slash Hogan Johns. Um, I'm sure some texts will be exchanged about how you're not there. But uh, <laughs> Have fun at my expense. <laughs> Kevin, actually, shout out to Kevin. There's an assist from Kevin on this episode today. Because he helped set this whole thing up. So Kevin, Kevin's on my good side. Not that he's ever on my bad side. But, but who's the closer? <laughs> yeah, there was a debate about who was closing this thing. Closers Def wasn't me. coffee. <laughs> <laughs> it definitely was not me. That's for sure. Um, but regardless, uh, 
you can find us on CHGO too. And we got a lot of coverage both before this last preseason game and uh, on Saturday we'll have pre and post for you. Um, and I will be there for that. Um, all right. So the special guest today is Josh Lucas, the Bears. Let's see if I can get this right. Former director of player personnel. Um, and he Ryan was Pace's right hand man. Yeah. He was he was quickly hired and brought over with when Ryan Pace got hired, he was hired like I don't know if he was the first hire, but I believe he was. I think he was. Um to be the right hand man. Um they obviously you know, you guys all know the story. A lot of it went well for a while and then it didn't at the end, and now Ryan Poles uh is here with his staff. But um you know, before anybody because I get it. And I'm sure it's probably already on Twitter. Why would we listen to what this guy has to say, right? Um, it's super interesting. And, you know, Josh is pretty candid and, you know, not not afraid to talk about things. And just from a talent evaluator standpoint, he really takes you behind the scenes in how some of these decisions are made. These tough decisions that have to be made in the next couple days. Um, and then, of course, we talk about Justin Fields. Let's not forget that the last regime with Josh Lucas drafted Justin Fields, Cole Komet, Jalen Johnson, Darnell Mooney, a lot of these players that still figure to stick around for a while or at least are at the point where they could get contract extensions. And uh, we, of course, asked them about all that stuff, too. So um, like if you I, like scout talk, football talk. There is so much meat on the bone in this episode right now. It's uh, yeah, I, 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 and I think our listeners, especially, I mean, we know our listeners pretty well at this point. Yeah, you guys are gonna like this. Trust me. Um, it's super interesting and um, and it's lengthy too. We had a good long conversation with them. So here he is, Josh Lucas. All right, time now to bring in a former friend, still friend, but uh, former Bears. Director of Player Personnel, Josh Lucas, joining Hogan Johns with us right now. What's up, Josh? How are you guys doing? Former friend. I know. Come on. We're not former, current friend. Current friend. I uh I think I tripped over the former former <laughs> title I was trying to spit out for you. We're still um, friends. Everything yeah. every, everyone's good here. Um, but thank you for jumping on with us. We appreciate it. With with cut down day coming, we thought it'd be a great idea to to talk to somebody who's entrenched in these decisions every year. Yeah, this is uh, this is heavy payload. You know, if you're in the personnel department right now, and it's it's not so much the 53, really the 69 you're trying to get to. You got your 53, and then you got your 16 practice squad spots. But you are monitoring the back end of 31 other rosters, and the volume is intense, especially now that they've gone to one cut. Uh, it's it's a lot of heavy lifting, a long hours, very stressful. Um, you know, you're in that you're in that building for 12, 16 hours a day. You know, no different than the players. You know, it's camp. You know, you, you're you're looking forward to the end of it. You want that first season to get here. Um, and and really, when final cuts are made, you make your final practice squad decisions. Uh, it's a huge sigh of relief because you know there's a there's a intense, um, laborious amount of um, of work that goes into this process. So um, I'm, I'm looking forward to, to watching from the sidelines and, and see the moves that the, that the bears make. Can you take us into that, that process? Like when you're like, you worked on the pro side extensively. So when you're 
eyeing those the back end of those rosters and also like considering like okay if we wave this guy maybe this team will claim this guy like how much time is spent like that like you build lists of players you you may like and can you just maybe elaborate on, on how much is involved when you're looking at the, at the other teams for sure so you got really two two lists you're you know essentially boiling it down to guys you would claim to, to put on your 53 that would upgrade your 53. Um, and then you're looking at guys that, you know, you would want to add to your practice squad. Now what's really difficult about the latter, if a guy gets cut, he does not get claimed more than likely he's going to go back to the team that he just, you know, the team's practice squad um, that he just completed camp with. He's got the relationships with the coaches. He knows the offense. He knows the defense can be very difficult to get those guys to come over. So, so what you're looking for is, do you have a relationship with the player, with the agent? Um, you know, I remember in our seven years in Chicago, this was Champ Kelly's territory. He had very good relationships with a lot of agents, and we would always kind of try to poach one or two guys that that the original team, you know, wanted the guy back for the practice squad, but we'd be able to sway them and, you know, maybe pay them a little extra money, whatever you had to do to get them over. Um, and then, obviously, the main list, though, guys that you would claim and add to your 53 because that you know if you're bringing a guy in that means you got to cut another guy so those are the two primary lists um you know the process starts you know in the summertime building the bubble list the back end list for each team some teams narrow it down it might be 10 15 guys that you're looking at um some teams make it uh you know a more you know exhaustive list you know maybe 35 guys that you're looking at um, and, and you and you spread that out between mostly your pro scouts, maybe your scouting assistants, and then even your college scouts who are out on the road. Maybe you give them one team each. Um, it's a collaborative effort. And then by the time we get to this third final preseason game, you know, I would say that list is probably pretty small for them. You know, realistic guys that are going to get cut that could that could add value to the 53. Um, there's a lot of communication going on constantly. Um, obviously throughout camp, you're having personnel meetings, you know, every three or four days to, to establish your 53 and then the next 16 guys for the practice squad. Um, you try to get as much of the work out of the way before it's actually cut down day because it happens so fast. And now with one cut, I mean, think about that. You're, you're cutting down 90 to 53, 31 teams, you know, the amount of names you have right there that you got to plow through. So you better be very organized on the front end and your list better be pretty small. And then your GM, director of player personnel, assistant director of player personnel, you know, they, they can't watch every single guy. So you better hand them a list that's manageable um, in, in that, that target, that target field should be pretty narrow. Um, so you're not stressing those guys out as well. Cause you know, the GM and, and you know, assistant director player personnel they only have you know so much time to 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 grind through all that tape so i kind of a two-part question here you you got coaches that some really value the preseason it seems like it's then some that just don't um how i guess part of the question is what kind of mistakes can be made in scouting during the preseason when you know, everything can be very vanilla out there on the field and maybe a guy looks really good, but you don't necessarily, it's got, it can be hard to see how much they're really being tested. Um, and then how much did losing the fourth preseason game change things, change things for you guys? Because obviously it's one less game to evaluate, but a lot of that game was, you know, those back end roster guys. 
Yeah, so the mistake could be made two ways I could probably, you know, narrow this down. You know, lack of information with regards to video. You know, you want to make sure this player you're targeting, especially if it's a rookie who doesn't have previous NFL tape, there's got to be enough exposure where you really feel good about the player, you know, because you can have one really good preseason game where you're playing 12 plays and then maybe the guy doesn't play the next two weeks because of an injury and 12 plays just isn't enough unless you really have conviction about this player from college. Um, And this is why teams will purposely hold out guys and not play them in preseason games if they know they're going to be guys they really want on the practice squad, they don't want to get them claimed if they expose them to the waivers, and they'll limit their reps. I've seen that over and over uh, again in my 20 years. Well, they'll actually limit the reps to protect a guy to make sure that he doesn't get claimed. Um, so like, the mistake can be made if you don't have enough film. And the other thing that, you know, you're just watching film. You, you know, you might not necessarily know – the character of the player. The character is so important. I've seen so many guys come into this league with plenty of talent, plenty of talent to be good NFL football players. They don't make it past year two or three because of their makeup. That could be their ability to handle adversity, the the ability to push through when times are tough, um, their, their intelligence level, their football intelligence, whatever it is. Character can cause a guy to fail. So if you watch a guy for two two preseason games and you love the tape, you also better know what you're getting. So a guy might get cut. How did he get cut? He that Those three preseason games were amazing. Why would they cut him? Well, there might be a story to that. And you better know that story because one guy in a 53-man locker room can cause a lot of issues. So the mistake could be made on not enough film and not knowing who the player is, you know, from a character standpoint, I could, I would, those would be the two like simplest answers I could give you. Adam, Adam and I joke around about this a bit. Like we're, we're fans at this time of year become like extremely enamored with like certain players. And they're like, you can't cut him. He's not going to clear waivers. Well, most of the time, like 95% of the time that player does clear waivers and he's immediately added to the practice squad, just like we were talking about. But, like, how different is it when it's a quarterback? I, I can't recall having this conversation about a quarterback like a Tyson Bajan, who undrafted guy, he's impressing the preseason, has even been better in certain practices. Like, is the quarterback different than, like, that fifth or sixth safety? Like, maybe take us inside what those conversations would be like when you have a young, promising quarterback who's playing well in preseason games, now everybody sees it but you still have a PJ Walker that you may want to keep around. Like, what would you do? Yeah, I think, you know, I'm guessing you already know the answer to this question. That is the premier position in football. If you have a quarterback in your building, I don't care if he's a sixth round pick, a college free agent. I don't care if you signed him on a three day rookie tryout. If you have conviction inside that building that this quarterback could be a potential backup for you and add value that way. Maybe a long-term potential starter. You do not expose them to waivers. It's as simple as that. You can find room on a 53 man roster. Every GM is going to tell you, we brought in so much talent. This is going to be the hardest cut we've ever made. Like every GM is going to tell you the same thing. The reality is those last few roster spots 
they're very interchangeable players. You know, you know, your, your, your wins and losses are coming from your first 30 players. They're not coming from your last 10. Those guys, you know, they're, they're interchangeable. Obviously I, I don't want to minimize it. Every, every spot's important. Um, but if you got a quarterback and you have conviction in the building that he has the processing post snap to operate in this league, he has physical attributes you know, if he doesn't have outstanding physical talent, then it's got to be in between the ears. It's got to be the brain. If he's got playmaking ability with his legs and his arm, and what is he like in the building? Is he a leader? Is he 100% bought in? This is, this is all he's about because that's what you have to be if you're a quarterback in this league. If you have those intangible traits and you're showing on tape and in practice, you can move the ball down the field consistently – you do not expose them to waivers. In my opinion, it's as simple as that. So if Tyson Bajan is a guy that is doing what he did against the Colts consistently in practice, I'm not at practice. I don't know what it looks, what it looks like. Um, I don't know what they think about him as a person. But if you're excited about the person, you're excited about the practice, we've all seen what he can do in a preseason game. Trust me, there's no team has 53 players that they can't replace. You know, those back few roster spots – um, you you make room for a quarterback. So you're you're the rival scout now, and you turn on the film of that Colts game. What do you think of Tyson Bajan? Like, what do you go back to to the rival front office and say about this kid? If you're a team that needs needs help at quarterback, so obviously what we talked about a you know a segment ago, reality for a quarterback. I think there's forty odd snaps in two games. It's not enough. Um, I would keep the evaluation very simple, knowing that there's only 40 reps. I would tell the GM, I don't see any outstanding physical traits where he's going to be a high-level playmaker with his legs. I see basic NFL skill set as far as, far as movement, size, talent, um, you know, I mean, arm talent. Um, and I see what I like the most, I see a guy post-snap that off, operates very quickly and efficiently. He knows where to get the ball, which is an extremely important asset and trait for a quarterback in this league. Um, fluid intelligence. It's easy to measure crystallized intelligence, a Wonderlick score, your IQ, grades in school. This position is all about fluid intelligence, post-snap in a messy, dirty pocket, you got bodies around you, you got safeties rotating, and being able to anticipate, see, process information on the move with bullets flying. Obviously, 40 snaps, I can't tell you this guy's got it, but in 40 snaps, I could say he's worth continuing to watch because he might have it. And it's it's it, it's exciting for them, you know, especially when you get a guy undrafted that, you know, at that position that you think's got a bright future. So I'm I'm willing to bet uh, without knowing that they're they're pretty fired up in house hall right now. So uh, that was interesting because your last two answers. One is if you're the Bears, you just don't expose the quarterback that you assuming they like him as much as you know we th we think they might. Sure. Um, you don't expose them to waivers. But on the other hand, it's not a for sure thing if you're on the other side that you would actually use a a roster spot to claim them. Do you think just your knowledge of the league and how these things work, if a player, if Tyson Bajan were to be waived, that there would be at least one team that would be in a position to be like, well, let's take a chance on this guy because you know we're pretty desperate at quarterback right now. 
Would there be one team that is extremely interested in him? Absolutely. Obviously, you don't have the crystal ball. So that, that gets back to my original point. You just don't take the chance. Yeah. In my experience, watching those two games, and I'm just being rigorously honest here, I would not go to my GM and say, we got to claim this guy, just based on those two games. He would be on a list to watch. Like, Let's track him, whatever practice squad he lands. That's in a vacuum. Now, that's that's not saying, you know, that that's with me not having any college history with this player, too. Mm-hmm. It could be way different if I was the, you know, scout that went to Shepherd College. I was pounding the table for this guy in April. We should have drafted him in the seventh round. We didn't get him as a free agent. Maybe it'd be a little different then. I'm just going off of 40 snaps. It's not enough for me personally to say, hey, like, I'm riding with this guy. Let's claim him if he gets cut. Um, but I think from a 30,000-foot view, any team – that is excited about a quarterback. You just don't take that chance because like you said earlier, lose a potential high end backup quarterback or a sixth safety or a sixth wide receiver. You know, that to me, that's, it's a pretty easy decision to make. A couple more roster building questions before we get to some, some Justin Fields conversation. Like what's it like in those decision-making meetings where you have the coaches, the scouts, everybody has, their favorites, these coaches have just spent weeks with these with, with these players. They, they might they might really like these young players. Maybe the, the scout, the special teams it. guy like me, that's like, I need this guy. Yes, and he's banging on the table, <laughs> like he's very loud about it. Like, what are those conversations like? In like, who wins? Like at, at this point, are, are these conversations maybe more intense than the table banging that that comes before the draft? So. The, the angle that you really just hit on is, is you know, the emotion that goes into these final cuts. Because me sitting here right now evaluating two Bears preseason games, 40, 45 players that I can tell you for sure they're going to make the roster, those last 10 roster spots, the last five roster spots, like I said earlier, very interchangeable these decisions aren't going to impact wins and losses for the 2023 Chicago bears. That's me from the outside looking in, but I also know what it's like being in there. A lot of emotion you have, you have ego and bias from the, you know, the, the scouting staff on guys they drafted and you don't want to cut guys you drafted Um, a guy you really pounded the table for as a college free agent, you know, and he's close to making the team and it gets emotional. You want him to make the team. On the coaching end, you have the special teams coach. You know, he wants his five or six guys. He needs two or three bodies out of the linebacker and tight end room. He needs two or three bodies out of the receiver, DB, you know, corner safety room. So you you got that part of it. So like the 48-man roster versus the 53-man roster. Position coaches, they're with these players all day. For weeks at a time, there is very, I think fans look at it as, hey, just cut him, you know, just cut that guy, you know, get this guy, cut that guy. Like there's so much emotion and like these are human beings that have very close, tight relationships. If you're the tight end coach right now and, you know, the fourth tight end is probably a position that's being talked about 
is the fourth tight end good enough on fourth down special teams to warrant a 53 man roster spot? That's a very simple question. But then there's the, how close is the tight end coach to the fourth tight end? How hard is he pushing for him? And then you get into this room and it is very emotional. I can remember several times being very upset over not getting the guy I wanted onto the 53. And now we got to wait for waivers to see if he gets to the practice squad. But I can also tell you this in those seven years, I can't really remember which players they were or who they were, which goes back to my original point of the significance of how important really are the 51, 52 and 53rd, you know, guy on your team. So the reality inside the building is it's, you know, and, you know, I talked about earlier for the scouts and for the GM and, and uh, the, the directors, you are tired. You're exhausted. I mean, I can remember driving from Hallis Hall right about this time in the, in the middle of this grind, just almost being delirious, you know, I've just watched so much tape from 8 a.m., to 10 p.m. And the only break that I got in the day was to go out and watch practice for a few hours. And I remember like that felt like a vacation like to go out in the sun and just be able to watch practice. And, you know, you're not just grinding tape, um, pouring way too much caffeine into your body um, and, you know, driving home, being all jittery and, and exhausted. Like, of course, you're going to have passion, you know, when you're fighting for your guy. So it is it gets intense. There's arguments. You know, I can only speak to my experience with Ryan Pace. He did a great job of being in the middle, throwing a bone to the coaching staff here, throwing a bone to the, you know, the, the, the college scouts or the, the pro department here, um, you know, mediating both sides. And I promise you, every single year, all seven years, within 48 hours of those arguments, fights, it's all forgotten on to game one, you know, and, and it's in the past. So it's, it's a very interesting process, probably a lot more emotion and, and ego and bias than, than there needs to be when you're really talking about the, the importance of those positions. Um, but it's, um, you know, I'm glad I'm a part of it. I'm glad I can talk about it now. And um, it's, um, it's, it's, I think it's the same in every single building, you know, it's, it's, there's so much, so much work that goes into it. It's a, um, it's, it's a process that people really, really care about. So, so let's talk a little bit about uh, QB one instead of uh, QB three, who might end yeah. up being QB two at some point. Uh, but we're all guessing there, Justin Fields, cause you were part of the team that, that drafted him and made that big move. I, I'm very curious as you, watched from the outside last year, what you thought about the way that this new coaching staff in particular used him, developed him, changed the offense significantly in the middle of the year to, to play to his strengths, just kind of all those things as you were watching that unfold. And how do you think uh, when it was all said and done, Justin handled it? And I guess how much better did he get? For sure. So the first thing I'll talk about is what you alluded to and the, the adjustment and the transition that was made, you know, after the first three or four games, whatever it was, this is not related to Justin Fields. This gives me a tremendous amount of confidence of the coaches in that building, because I have been a part of organizations where the ego and the stubbornness of the coaching staff 
didn't allow the adjustment to the strengths of the players. And that is a huge feather in the cap to Luke Getze, to Matt Eberflus. This isn't working. We have an extremely talented player here. How can we make this guy successful? That's what good coaches do. Justin Fields, obviously coming out of college, he showed you he could do every single thing you need to do at the pro level from a physical standpoint and the game tape that, you know, he put on for two years at Ohio state. Um, you know, the biggest thing for me with Justin personally, and people might disagree with, disagree with, with me on this, you know, I thought he had to speed up his process, but a lot of that is related to the nature of Ohio state's offense, the unbelievable pass protection that they get there. You really saw it this past year with the, with the quarterback, the Texans took, um, it allows you to be a little more comfortable in the pocket. It allows you to be a little bit more deliberate and to allow guys to come open where in the NFL, you don't get that luxury. You have to anticipate guys coming open. So that would have been my critique criticism of him coming out and what I want to see still as regards to a consistent productive downfield passing game last year, when they adjusted the offense, he clearly showed he has rare running ability for the position. He can change a game on any single play with his legs, whether it's a design run or it's a pass play and he's breaking the pocket. You can be in perfect defense, just like the D coordinator draw, like drew it up all week. All of the guys are in there filling their gaps. The linebackers in perfect position to make the play on the quarterback and 80 yards later, he's spiking the football because the linebacker just can't tackle him. So you have a guy who can change a game even when it's not schemed up for you. That is what this league is about on offense. Quarterback play, solid offensive line, explosive playmakers, if you want to simplify it. He's an explosive playmaker. Now you got to find that balance going forward. You know, I can't sit here and say – with conviction, he's going to be a top five passer in this league because um, we haven't seen it yet. Not all on him. Protection had to get better. Explosive perimeter talent had to get better. They are well on their way to doing that. It's not a finished product yet, but it's much better than it was last year with the addition of, especially with the right tackle, who has a chance to be a special player, and then a guy, uh, DJ Moore, who's already a special player. Um, so hopefully we'll start to see the maturity um, – the timing, anticipation, accuracy that you need to see on a consistent basis. This is why I, you know, this last thing I'm going to talk about, um, and and I can I can share this because um, I had experience with quarterbacks in this city when the temperature gets turned up and it's not positive. It's hot, and there's a lot of um, negativity coming from the media and the fan base. I've seen what it can do to a quarterback. And I started to see and feel that last year after the first three games. I don't pay, I'm not on social media. I'm not on my computer a lot, but I'm, I'm aware and I see enough to know that there was, you know, the pressure was starting to mount. Is this guy another failed quarterback? This isn't working. And then to see him come out of that and obviously help with from the coaching staff, but also, like, I never saw a guy that wavered his self-confidence. I never saw a guy that didn't believe in himself. And you have 
to have that in this particular market. Every NFL quarterback has to have it, but some markets are extremely hard to play in. This is one of them. And I've seen it with my eyes, what it can do to somebody. So to see him bounce out of that, that's one of the reasons we were so intrigued with him when we drafted him. We knew he was incredibly headstrong. We knew the outside narrative wasn't going to, you know, seep into his head and let it affect his preparation and his play. Um, so to see that him go through that last year, and we all know that's not the last time he's going to go through it. He's going to have a bad three game streak and the criticism is going to be intense and loud and he's going to have to get through it again. And that's what the great quarterbacks do. And I'm extremely excited to see him play this year going forward. Um, I, you know, I would like to think that they're extremely excited about him in the building, having the first pick and, and then trading it. Um, I think that shows some conviction on the player. Um, and if they support him the right way and they get the, the stability of, of high-level um, scheme and play calling, I think it's going to be a, um, a, a, a quarterback that Chicago is very excited about going forward. I feel like this year's Bears kind of repeated some things that you guys did in that would be 2018. Like they added the number one wide receiver. They drafted a young, promising receiver. It's not Anthony Miller, but it's Tyler Scott. Like you already have Darnell Moody. So you mentioned Darnell Wright. There was investment on the offensive line. So I guess with your experience, like with what happened in 2018 where things took off and things started to succeed, like what do you see maybe that's built? Like what's your viewpoint of what's built around – Justin Fields now with DJ Moore, Chase Claypool, Darnell Mooney, Tyler Scott. You still have Cole Komet, you know, a guy that you guys drafted who just got re-signed by this regime. Like, what do you think of the help around Justin Fields, which which he needed, he didn't have last year? What do you make of it? First and foremost, it starts up front. And I really like what they're doing up front with the additions they've made. You know, if you go with the projected starting five. You have two guys that they carried over from the previous regime, and they've added three new players, you know, a left tackle, fifth-round pick last year that people are excited about. You have a top-ten pick this year who has incredible talent that Bears fans should be extremely excited about. And they went out and signed, you know, a, a proven, solid, steady offensive guard. You know, if, if, if Tevin can just – figure out a way to stay on the field and and then you're moving Cody back to center like you really like that offensive line that that has promised to be a top 10 maybe even higher offensive line in this league if they're whole and that's where it's all that's where it all starts if you can run the ball effectively if you can move guys off the line of scrimmage stay ahead of the chains you know stay in the down and distance it's favorable to the play caller and then you're putting Justin Fields with DJ Moore, Mooney, Claypool, Komet, and third and manageable, second and manageable, you're going to sustain drives. You're going to score points. I really like the way they're going on the offensive side of the ball, especially considering it's only year two. Like, it's not a finished product. We weren't humming until year four. You know, this is only year two for them. They're well on their way. You know, they're, 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 they're rebuilding the, the defense. I actually think the defense is a little bit behind the offense right now because of the front. Um, but I see a lot of similarities. Everyone's rowing the boat in one direction right now. 
everyone's coming off of a, a season where you're the last place in the NFL. The trick is once you have success, in my opinion, that's when Matt Eberflus and Ryan Poles, that's when their jobs really start. Because now you're really specifically on the general manager side. Right now, you're, you're deciding who you, to get rid of, and then you're just acquiring talent. You have, high, you have draft capital. You have high draft picks. Fiscally, you have a lot of money to spend. You're acquiring talent. You're being an evaluator. You're being a scout as the GM, Ryan Poles. Once you have success, the building changes, and it changes fast. People, what about me? And this is players, this is assistant coaches, and this is scouts. And now you're the general manager. And this is where, you know, for me, I got to see Mickey Loomis for years in New Orleans. Once we had success, the building changed. Now you have to manage. Now you have to keep everyone in their place, still rowing the boat in the same direction. And that can be extremely challenging. So I think they're well on their way to establishing success. I think personally, it could, it's going to come this year. I think they're a good team right now that's going to get better. I love their schedule. 17 games. To me, they play three teams that have quarterbacks that can beat you, even if you're at your best, and Mahomes, Russell Wilson, and, and Herbert, all in the same division. I think you got three games against quarterbacks that are very talented and proven in this league and can beat you on any given day. And Deshaun Watson, Derek Carr, and Kyler Murray. And then you got 11 games against guys where, in my opinion, and this is just my opinion, this isn't the NFL's opinion, obviously, you got, you got the better quarterback on the field. And anytime you have the better quarterback on the field and the rosters are comparable, edge to the better quarterback team. So the schedule to me this year especially with Rodgers leaving the division, sets up very favorably for these guys to win more games than maybe you would think by just the 53 guys on the roster. Um, and then, you know, this, like I said, this is year two. Like, this is very early in the rebuild. They're doing a tremendous job. And I think, you know, year three, year four is when, if you ask the GM and, and the personnel people, like, you know, that's when we're really going to be humming and feel great about this this entire roster. So I'm not I'm, – I'm bullish on the Bears. You hear that, Adam? Yeah. When in doubt, go with the better quarterback, which I always do when we make those picks. Yes. Always. During the regular always. season. Now, now, Josh, you make me feel really smart right now. So when, when Adam overthinks <laughs> everything with, with his picks during the season, go with the better quarterback. Eleven. You said 11. Well, you yeah. still going to do that when they play the Vikings, Mr. Kirk Cousins guy over there? <laughs> yes, I, have. I think I have in the past. <laughs> um. Okay, so you mentioned a couple of things that I want to touch on. It sounds like you you like the Darnell Wright pick because it. I mean, it's it's kind of, they needed a rock there at tackle, yeah. uh, and 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 hopefully he becomes that. Obviously, he's still a rookie, so there'll be some struggles. But you also mentioned the defensive front kind of being behind right now. So to me, just as a member of the media evaluating the draft this year. The Jalen Carter thing was so fascinating to me from start to finish from, you know, and when I say start, I mean like his college, watching him in college and how freaking good he was all the time and um, almost effortlessly at times. And then obviously everything that played out in the winter. 
at the end of the day, I mean, who would you have picked in that situation? Because I think it's completely justified for them to go with the help for Justin Fields. But every day coming out of Philadelphia, we're hearing about how unbelievable Jalen Carter looks already as a rookie. Yeah, great question. Um, I'm I'm going to take some liberties in this answer and kind of give you, you know, because here's the deal. Let's just talk. Let's just talk ball. Let's not talk makeup, character, locker room fit. Let's just talk ball. Both SEC, extremely valuable, important positions. Both make it look easy in college. Both have the the rare traits to be highly successful in the NFL. Um, both have some laziness on their tape. You know, both have some things they can definitely improve and work on. Um, I would grade those guys very closely. I would grade Jalen Carter higher based on his Georgia film than Darnell's Tennessee film. Simple supply and demand. It is so hard to find a dominant three technique. So hard. They all go in the first round. Follow the names they're on the best defenses in the NFL. I saw it up close and personal when Akeem Hicks wanted to wreck a game. He's going to wreck the game, run and pass. Go over to Kansas City right now. When Chris Jones wants to wreck a game, he is going to wreck it. He is unbelievable. They, they line him up at defensive end and tackles have a hard time blocking him. I've been a part of sitting in the press box watching Aaron Donald wreck a game. They're hard to find. I personally would put more premium, more value on the three tech over the tackle. And I just call him a tackle because I think Darnell could play left or right. He could, he's so talented. He could play either side. Um, I would take Jalen Carter if we're just talking ball. But that is not all you talk about when you're in the draft room. I'm not privy to the character makeup of either player. I know bits and pieces. I know what I've been told. I don't know what's true and what's not true. Um, I'll say this. If you have significant concerns about one of those two players, character makeup and his ability to not only fit in your locker room, but his ability to maximize his potential be, if you're worried about that because of something that's in his makeup, I would take the guy that's clean. 10 times out of 10, that's easy for me. But like I said, I don't know the significance of what Jalen Carter was dealing with. I don't know the makeup of Darnell Wright. Um, so if you told me that the Chicago Bears were concerned about the makeup of the Georgia D tackle, and they took the the, the the offensive tackle and said, I, I totally get it. I'm with them. And you move forward and you get a guy you know is going to be a high-level player for 10 or 15 years, and you're not going to have to worry about him in the locker room or off the field. I touched on it earlier. I've seen what it can do to players. You know, an easy example that you guys are all familiar with, Anthony Miller. Anthony Miller – rookie training camp in Bourbon A. I would have bet my career that he was going to be a, a, a Pro Bowl level slot player for a long time in this league. He was outstanding. 
his rookie camp, there was a lot of people wearing Anthony Anthony Miller jerseys around Hallis Hall that first year. We thought he was ascending. He thought he was going to be a hell of a player. What he did in that camp was special. Even after his rookie year, we had high hopes for him. We thought at worst he was going to be a really good starting slot receiver. You know, if he stayed healthy, he could ascend to, you know, a Pro Bowl level. And then Anthony Miller got in Anthony Miller's way. You know, the the character matters. The makeup matters. How you handle success. How you handle money. How you handle yourself in the locker room. Are you in your playbook 24-7 like you need to be, especially playing the slot receiver where there's a lot going on? Are you a great teammate? Those things can tear you down and they can tear you down fast. You know, I bring up Anthony because it's, you know, very public. You know, obviously he, he got traded away from us and, you know, he's bounced around. I think he just signed again. But that's a guy that never got to a second contract and he should have. Um, so long-winded way of saying if you're concerned about a player enough because of his makeup, I have no issues regardless of the talent of taking that guy off the board and going with a guy who also is a hell of a talent, but you feel good about his makeup. Speaking of second contracts and speaking of slot receivers, there are a few players on the, the, the Bears roster that you guys drafted that you, Ryan Pace, your scouting department drafted. We already talked about Justin Fields. That's, that's down the line, but Cole Clement got his deal. Then there's Jalen Johnson, Darnell Mooney. What do you think of their, their place on this roster? Obviously, Jalen Johnson's still the number one cornerback. Then Mooney might be the number two, number three receiver, depending how you want to view it. He had some injury problems, but where do you think their place on this roster is? Where do you think their place is maybe with the future of this team? I'll start with Mooney. If his ankle is okay, foot, whatever he hurt, if he's moving at the capacity he can move at, he's he would be very easy for me, and he would have been very easy for us. He is consummate professional. He's exactly what you want in that room. You know, if you're going to be critical of him, he's probably too hard on himself. I would much rather have that than a guy that doesn't have, you know, a high, you know, give a shit factor. He is a really good player. He's a really good person. Um, You need multiple wide receivers. You just can't have one. That would be easy for me. Obviously, you got to make, you know, there's a negotiation and, you know, the money and that all plays a big part of it. But as far as like the plan to, 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 hey, we're going to re-sign and extend this guy. Mooney would be a really easy – He would, that would probably already have been done, I imagine, if, you know, obviously if we were still there. Uh, Jalen, it's all about durability with Jalen. You know, Jalen's a great person. He's extremely talented. It is really hard to find a guy that can just be a cat cover guy, follow the other team's best receiver, whether he's lined up on the left or right. Um, they don't have a guy in that building right now that has that man-to-man cover skill. Um, obviously, the second-round pick, Tyreek, is extremely intriguing as a football player. I don't think he has the cover ability Jalen has. Uh, probably a better overall football player when you bring in physicality, tackling, and everything else. Um, 
Jalen is, is, are you convinced, you know, and I'm not going to get into his person. Obviously I know a little bit about his personal injury history. Um, if you feel good, he's going to hold up and you feel good about his long-term um, longevity. Again, premier position. You don't want to put yourself where you're now, now you have another, you know, green magnet on your depth chart of a, of a have to have need. They're already going to have to to spend of a lot of resources on their front next year on the defensive side of the ball. Um, so again, it, it, the person, the player, Jalen Johnson, yes, easy. You got to be concerned about his longevity and, and how healthy he is. Um, and if you feel good about that, then to me, it, it, it's an easy yes. That's interesting. You know, the last thing I have for you um, has to do with how mental health has changed in football. And um, as a, ta a talent evaluator, how you guys have changed in spending time and resources in looking into that, because this is something that goes way beyond football, right? But it's we saw last week just in Indianapolis and across the league, the kicking the stigma campaign that the NFL uh, has been doing. Um, and I know you're very involved in this side of things. Um, throughout your career how has that been uh an issue not issue but just something that's been heightened awareness P teams are paying more attention to it players are paying more attention to it and how has it changed the evaluation side of things uh, i'm glad you brought it up first off the, the heightened awareness uh imperative that the nfl and all leagues heighten their awareness um, towards the, the general topic of mental health. Not something that was widely discussed early on in my career, you know, in the building or outside the building. Um, you know, when you're, when you're evaluating players at colleges, just not something that came up a whole lot. You know, there's, we could have a whole show on this. You know, this is, this is a topic that's near and dear uh, to me personally, um, as someone that suffers from a mental health um, disorder that, you know, really, you know, turned my life around, you know, when, when I was able to, to finally get a hold of it. So I know the impacts of someone struggling with whether it's depression or anxiety or PTSD, whatever it is. Um, and then I know what kind of life's on the other end with the correct treatment and doing the work um, to, to process everything that's gone on in your life to um, get to the other side. So I think nationally, the awareness has been heightened. And I think teams now are staffing their buildings with more um, mental health professionals, more on-site clinicians. I think you're seeing this at the college level too. Um, and I really, you know, it's, I'm glad you asked this because I think there is, there's uh, unbelievable advantage teams could get if they start training their scouts and their personnel on how to navigate this stuff when they encounter prospects who may be dealing with mental health issues or substance abuse issues. Um, because again, this awareness is this heightened awareness is recent. So I think a lot of teams are kind of figuring out, you know, how do we appropriately train our, um, 
our scouts when they go out and they know someone's dealing with this. What are the questions to ask? What are the red flags that you're looking for? What are some of the signs you see in people who um, are truly determined to um, get healthy and, and become, um, you know, people who live uh, healthily and serenely and successfully with these, you know, mental health disorders. So um, I think we're kind of at the forefront of it. The biggest thing I can say just to, without talking for, for too long is, you know, I think the heightened awareness is getting young athletes and coaches and scouts and trainers. It's, it's, this it's being destigmatized and I think people are more comfortable talking about some of their issues and their problems. And that's, that's where it starts. If you're going through something, if something's really bothering you, um, regardless of what it is, the worst thing you can do is stuff it and keep it inside you. Um, and you know, I know, I know for a lot of young men, you know, it's hard, you know, you, you have an ego, you don't want to be perceived as someone who's weak, especially in this sport. Um, you know, you don't want to be vulnerable to somebody else. Um, and I think the more we can destigmatize it, the more people open about, open up about their own experiences. Um, I think it'll get young athletes more comfortable talking about it. Um, more willing to go down and knock on the clinician's door, you know, at Hallis Hall or whatever, you know, football facility they're at um, and say, Hey, I'm going through something right now because here's the deal. No matter what you're going through, there's help available. There is help available. Anyone can get better, no matter how grave it is, no matter how far down you've gone, there's help available there's a life on the other side of what you're experiencing now that you probably can't even see or even think is possible, but it's there, you know, and I can, I can speak to that personally. And, um, you know, it's, I'm glad you brought it up. I'm glad the NFL is continuing to push, um, you know, the, you know, they're having, I think the special month this year, or you know, like they do for cancer awareness and, you know, the military, um, salute that they do every month. I think, you know, I think it needs to be at the forefront because, mental health incidents, incidents, incidents with young people is starting to really increase in this country. Um, and it's going to be something that's, you know, at the forefront of everyone's attention. Um, and the more we can encourage young people to, to talk and share about anything they might be going through, you know, the, the further we're going to get as far as, you know, being successful and combat and combating this. Yeah. I would say it even needs to be discussed a bit more. Yeah. Um, no doubt. With, with social media, with, and I have children like the, the, the iPads and the, the YouTube and just certain wormholes they could, they could fall down through and, you know, diff, different stuff. How much, you know, we're, we're old men a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> and, I, and I would say even in high school football yes. too, yeah. for right, sure. right now yeah, we can, yes. we can do a better job with, with that as well. Um, so it's, it's an important topic, and it's uh, it, it's just cool to see the NFL start to embrace this a little bit more. And I was just curious about sort of the back end side of it too, with the talent evaluators. And for sure, I had a chance I had a chance in May to speak um, to a group of, of NFL rookies on on a particular team um, and, and shared my story, my personal story, um, and and really wanted to convey you know what can happen um, with untreated mental health, what it can lead to. Um, and make sure they know, hey, it, it's okay to ask for help. You know, sometimes 
Sometimes we have to surrender to win in life, and that is completely okay. Um, and the most rewarding part of that experience is as I was walking out of the building to get on my flight to go home, their player programs, you know, uh, player engagement director who, who had brought me in to, to give the presentation grabbed me and told me, you know, one of the rookies had already come down and said, hey, I, I need some help with something. So, you know, the, the more it's out and the more people can share their own personal stories, you know, the, 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 I think the easier it becomes for someone to say, hey, it's okay to ask for help. There's nothing wrong with this. You know, we all have stuff. And I don't care who you are. I don't care if you're the first round pick making, you know, $10 million a year. And, you know, you think you, you think you got this amazing life and God, I would do anything to trade positions with him. Every one of us has something. We all have family, friends, you know, loved ones, you know, we all have something that we're going through. And, um, you know, it's, it's, it's extremely important to have someone to talk to. Um, and, and to share what you're going through and, and to help process some of these feelings and emotions that we get. Because um, a lot of us, and I know me personally, we weren't, we weren't raised or you know, brought up to, to share our emotions and feelings in a healthy way. Um, and and that's, that's, I don't think that's uncommon at all. So it's, it's, it's extremely important that we get that message out that it's okay to talk and it's okay to ask for help. I literally got goosebumps just hearing you say that, honestly, that somebody right away that because yeah, if you if you help one player, you you know it was it was one hundred percent worth it, and and I'm sure it helped more than one. But just to hear that must have been pretty rewarding. Absolutely, yeah. Uh, Josh, this has been great. Uh, we kept you a little bit longer than we said we would, but uh, you know the conversation was outstanding, and um, it's um, just good hearing your perspective of things, especially with some of these players that are still on the roster that you guys brought in here. And uh, we'll have to do this again sometime soon. Awesome, I'd love to come back. Thanks for having me, guys. Thanks, Josh. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. Hey, Frank, a little birdie told me you don't need a satellite dish to get DirecTV. What's the little birdie? Was it Jimmy the Sparrow? It's a figure of speech. Point is, you can stream DirecTV over the internet now. Oh, sure. Next, you're going to tell me those big birds are made of metal and filled with people, right? <laughs> you mean airplanes? Stream DirecTV without a satellite dish. Call 1-800-DIRECTV. Terms or restrictions apply. Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10. Place your first bet on any game and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. 
See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. All right, great talking to Josh Lucas again. And, um, you know, hopefully he's not too mad that I accidentally called him a former friend. (laughs) Off the top. It could be like a nice running joke now, my friend. Former yeah. podcast partner or something. Like something that. tells me some Bears fans listening to this will actually appreciate that. <laughs> <Even>. <laughs> but uh, hey, I hope I hope that, in all seriousness, I hope that um, people like value that conversation. I thought it was fascinating. I mean, look, look oh ma- man, sure, yeah, everything. Mista- yeah, mistakes were made in the last regime, but it's still incredibly interesting to hear like that side of. How? Based, I mean, I, I, if you listen carefully, I think you learned a lot. Even some of the stuff that he was hinting at at, at times with uh, some of the former coaches and players yes, that were in the building. Yes, yes. read the the tea leaves, everybody. Um, and, uh, as good of a job that I think Ryan Poles is doing right now, and Matt Eberflus, like I just I love the culture that he's building, especially defensively. Like this current quarterback that everybody in this city like is so excited about. Would not be here if that last regime didn't do what they tended to do and, and got bold, bold as hell in the draft, and made a move up for a quarterback. Like Josh was saying, they drafted him. They did more than that. They traded up for him and drafted him. But what twenty to, to eleven? Yeah, to draft him right. Yeah, a few years ago. But that cannot be forgotten, forgotten, forgotten. As this as this story plays out, like if Justin Fields has an outstanding season. Like there's been a few questions already about his MVP candidacy, and maybe that's for another podcast. But the last regime was the one who drafted him, and, and Josh Lucas, our last guest here, played a part in that. And and I think it's significant that uh, I mean he was incredibly complimentary of what Ryan Poles has done with this coaching staff, especially like I thought his answer to the question about how the coaching staff handled Justin Fields was, was very notable. Um, Cause look, you know, speaking of egos that were, yeah, that, that, that we all have that he mentioned there towards the end, like it, it would, we've seen plenty of egos in the NFL. He could, he, he he could be like screw these guys they took my jobs right and and instead i mean i thought it was very significant how uh, complimentary he was and how he basically confirmed everything with the justin fields evaluation right they had the same concerns about getting rid of the ball and how fast he's processing but he seems bullish that you've surrounded him with the right talent that it's still going to take off with him this year everything he was saying there kind of reminded me what Nate Tice said a lot is that was a home run hitting offense, right? Where they had these amazing receivers and they had such a good offensive You're line. You're talking about Ohio State. Yes. Yeah. Where Fields looked for those. He was told to look for those shots. Now it's different in the NFL. He's playing against the that offensive line last year and, and, and a couple of years ago. Things are, are different. There's going to be a call to transition, have you? It's not going to be easy. 
you know, a lot of success at Ohio State, but the tools are there. The tools are there. And, and you know what? The uh, the conversation about Tyson Bajant, so you're keeping him if you're the Bears, right? Yeah, like that's right. what that's what Josh Lucas would, would would do. Even though he admitted that if he was on the other side, he probably wouldn't recommend claiming him. Yeah, but that's like the, the that's that, that's what I enjoyed about this conversation. I agree. Is, is yeah, those dynamics. It's 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 trying to put yourself in the other team's shoes for a bit. Like, what are they going to do? Like, who's desperate for a quarterback? All it takes is one team, right? Right. And I like think there should... is one team. There's always a team, especially that position. Yeah. Yes. You're, you're always desperate for that position. Um. All right. Well, hopefully everyone enjoyed that. Uh, I, I I I I found it fascinating. We went longer than we were going to just because it was it was so interesting. So, uh, thanks to Josh for coming on, and um, I have a feeling we'll hear from him again. Yeah, we'll have him again. So um, that was great. And uh, let's see, where are we in this week? There's another preseason game, forty, basically forty eight hours away as this uh, goes out on Thursday, and um, we'll be back early next week to kind of recap everything that happens uh, at this uh, part of the reason why we did this episode here is because at the time we're taping, we don't necessarily know who's playing. They might not even tell us till right before the game for all we know. Um, so I just, we thought it was a, a good idea to hear from someone who sits in those meeting rooms and grinds tape. Uh, as soon as this game's yeah. over Saturday, Ryan Poles and his front office staff, they got basically 72 hours to, make all their decisions and get it down to 53 on Tuesday. And then we're going to hear from Ryan Poles and Ian, Ian Cunningham on Tuesday um, with their, you know, with, with their take on everything after those decisions are made and the roster is at least briefly finalized because everyone knows 24 hours later, there's yes. more changes. Yes. <laughs> yes. What, what did Josh say? That, that 48, right? That That's yeah. like the, he said the last, first 30. He, he said the last 10 players don't matter. No, I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> no, he just said that. No, he's, exa- no. Yeah, he's exaggerating a bit there, but yes, I think the point is made that. But they're not going to make or break your season, is his point, and that that is true. Yeah. Um, yeah. I think you're always you're, hoping for that, like one starter to maybe emerge from from that back end in time, because I think we've seen a, a couple stories like that, or at least someone who becomes a contributor for a couple years for for a couple games. But uh, you're right. Let's not overreact to the first 53-man roster, which is going to change in a matter of hours. Yeah. All right. Um, well, follow us on Twitter, at Adam Hogue, at Adam Johns. Uh, we'll have all the coverage, as we always do, for you uh, on game day, after game day. I'm sure roster projections will will go out as we we still make a big deal over the last few roster spots. <laughs> yeah. We'll have one out Monday. <laughs> yeah. For Forget what days. I said. Please check it out. <laughs> and uh, we can laugh because you're still going to read it. <laughs> true. It's true. <laughs> just it's because we're all we're all fans at heart and love just love football. So yeah. it's great. Um, and um, I also want to give a quick shout out uh, before we get out of here. Just all the high school football teams starting their seasons tomorrow night. Friday night lights back. I'm excited. I'm jacked up. We already had our our walk through this morning, uh, avoiding the heat. Did the early morning walk walk through and. Um, Get out on the field tomorrow night. I'm excited, but you know, I, I, I honestly feel robbed that if there's anything over the nine years of us doing this show that has changed. I mean, on one end, there's stuff that hasn't changed at all, like John's love for Kirk Cousins. Um, but when we started this show, the, our bit was you would make fun of college football, and I wouldn't let you talk about high school football. 
And now we talk more about high school football, and that college yes. football segment is long gone. It's a long a gone. For, a win for Adam Johns. Double been win. Hanging out with me too much. Not not only not only do we talk about it, but I'm literally on oh, a coaching yes. staff. Yes. We, <laughs> so. we actually talk about it more like off camera than than, than anything. At All the time. time. Yeah. Yeah. And there is a uh, a big Carmel Notre Dame game later in the oh, season. Oh yes, yes. Cole Clement enjoys these conversations. He actually starts them with us in the locker. Yes. He does, and there's another Carmel St. Vider game this year. So I don't know if he'll talk to me that week, but um, you know, we'll see. Hopefully, Cole's doing okay. Is, is his brother starting there? I assume so. I haven't had a chance to talk yeah, to him yeah. yet. Yeah. Um, Hopefully, Cole is okay. By the way, that's yeah. That's for bro- another another show. I think his brother is junior now. So, um, anything like Cole, he's probably pretty damn good at football. Yeah. So, um. Yeah, so anyway, we're out of here. Good luck to all the teams starting tomorrow night. Um, it's going to be a lot of fun this season, and it's going to cool down, thank God, because we're recording this right now. It's just ungodly hot outside, but Friday is going to be a nice, cool evening. Lights will be on. We'll have lots of fun. Then we turn right around. Bears game on Saturday. We'll have all the reaction for you. Read The Athletic, theathletic.com slash Hoga Johns. CHGO will have you covered with pre- and post-game on Saturday. And... Um, Obviousshirts.com. Oh, the golf outing tomorrow. The obvious yeah. shirts. Oh man, it went full screen on John's there on YouTube. Just oh, to get boy. the polo. Oof. Obvious the polos are great. Obviousshirts.com. Check them out. The hats are you might have seen my Instagram the other day. I got some samples and they should be for sale very, very soon. I know I keep teasing them, but they're coming. Um, and then we'll update you on how because the obvious shirts guys are joining us in a foursome tomorrow, and apparently they want to win this thing. Let's go. Let's so, do it. We'll see. We'll see if I maybe I don't know maybe see, someone at CHO can pay me off to sandbag and <laughs> I might I might be in an advantageous situation here. Talk about character concerns. <laughs> That's going to be my excuse if I suck though. I'm just yes. trying to set myself up for failure for, for success for other forms of success. <laughs> yes. All right, we'll talk to everyone next week. See ya. All right, time now to bring in a former friend. Hey, football fans, this is Diana Rossini from The Athletic. Get the top stories in pro football snapped directly to your inbox with our latest NFL newsletter, Scoop City. Jacob Robinson and I will bring you the daily scoop of top NFL articles, posts, and podcasts every Monday to Friday. Sign up for free now at theathletic.com backslash scoop.